0: G'day, punters, want to win a day at the footy for you and 10 mates in the tab corporate box? We'll make sure you're listening later in the podcast for this week's all important code word. Full terms and conditions in the show notes. G'day, punters, and welcome to Inside 50. This week, a very special guest from the Melbourne Football Club. 228 wonderful games, 428 goals, and countless speckies. A warm welcome to Russell Robinson.
1: I've come in at the right time, we're fresh <laughs> off a win over in Perth, I'm feeling what good. What you uh, fresh, they're winning every week at oh, no, least. I know, but it's, it was a couple of weeks there, I was a bit worried. Being a Melbourne supporter, we're, we're just, that's just the way it is, is. We're Melbourne no. person, we're always...
2: When H- is- Hard training phase, I put it down to <laughs> yeah, yeah. what a game though, the lightning, the lightning strikes and we're sent off in the
1: last quarter, I'm like, oh, here we go, they're going to come out, and they did, West Coast. But anyway, we got the win, and I'm very pleased to be here with you guys so we're to recording. see faces I'm not covered by masks.
2: Hey, I can, can I tell you, you know, the last few weeks, the, the bar's been set really high. We've had Justin Lepich in, we've had Glenn Archer. Oh geez. Um, we've had others. <laughs> Nick Quinn, haven't we? But um, yeah, so played got, on played on both
1: those both those guys. Did they you? Were tough men yeah. Leppa was really good at the yap when he out in the ground. He he loved to get into people. Got into me many times. Arch didn't say really? anything. He just belted
2: you. Well, that's it, Glenn Archer. Yeah, he's like, nah, I will just get on with the job. Whereas yeah. uh, just Leppa. So, so what what would he say to you? Oh, Leppa, I just said I was crap. <laughs> 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 I've got two.
1: I've gone for three premierships in a row. You've done nothing, Robertson.
2: Oh, it's, it's pretty hard to argue back when yeah. you when they're in that position, you know. Yeah. But you, you're not bulletproof forever, though.
1: No, you're not. And, uh, you know, we all retire and become old and grey and fat men and, and mere mortals. So.
0: Well, you're not fat, you're looking fit as a fiddle. Well,
1: I th- always thought I would put on a bit of weight after footy, but it hasn't happened. My dad's a smaller guy and mum as well, so I'm lucky. I- I'm a bit too... Proud. Oh, I, I couldn't be. <laughs> I look at myself too much oh, in the no. mirror. <laughs> oh
2: no, you got to join me. Go on postcards and just eat everything and drink everything. That's hard, isn't it? Hey, oh, I love it. But um, it must be the basketball that's keeping you in fine tune because you're playing basketball on a Monday night yeah. and – I'm hearing on the weekends, what, three three-pointers in a row. I don't um, know, yeah. Look out, boomers. <laughs> <laughs> Here comes Robert. Team Robinson. was down big and
0: you <laughs> stepped up.
1: We nearly got the win. Patty, I, I was inspired by Patty Mills. No, not really. I mean, my, I'm not a basketballer, but I do love the game. I always have loved it. I grew up in a time where, obviously, Michael Jordan and uh, Magic and those guys were really... You know, it was, a, a, I suppose it's the Renaissance period for basketball.
2: I, I was more of a Spud web man, you know, yeah, just that little, little fellow who could actually <laughs> slam dunk. What, was he five foot five or something? Yes. I'm like, there's hope for me. There's hope for me, exactly. <laughs> but um, my son,
1: 10 uh, year old, and he just loves basketball. Uh, and I can only teach him so much with basketball. And I asked my mate, Jack Watts, who I play with uh, in this team, who was and still is an absolute gun at basketball. And we play with Scotty Pendlebury too. Can I say, we, we started playing before COVID hit. How long ago is that now? It feels like 10 years ago. Uh, and we had a stacked team of X afl greats, Banger Harvey is our patron
2: saint. He played. He's terrible, but he's... He, <laughs> he runs all day. He
1: runs all day. <laughs> Same thing.
2: Um, he's, he's like your decoy. Yeah. just sort of separates the yeah. fence a bit. Oh,
1: they can't keep up with him. He's back and forth, back and forth. And then there's Scott Pendlebury, who was, I think, Football was his second choice. He was at the Australian Institute of Sport for Basketball. Uh, and then a splattering of others. Johnny Meeson played for Adelaide and Melbourne. He's our centre. He's a very angry man. Uh, had all the fights with all the 13-year-old refs, <laughs> girl refs. I'm like, mate, you can't do that. Uh, and all, we're all footy players. And we win based on our um, – we confuse the opposition with how we're going about it. So it's a lot of fun. I love it. I
0: feel for the opposition rocking up Monday night to be great basketball at the King Club. And you look across and you see all these AFL rates you're about to play against. Yeah.
1: There's a few spoils actually.
2: <laughs> Seriously, there's been a few spoils. And Can't do that. Any kicking? Anyone <laughs> trying to I? kick it from the You do feel like
1: just flicking their hands out real quick. <laughs> it's just said, old habits die so, hard. So
2: with Jack Watts, so Jack Watts was a really good basketball player oh, as, yes. a, as a junior, or as yes. he still is.
1: He is still, but he was, I think he had that thing where he had to make a choice um, and went with something that he just enjoyed at the time. And that's Jack Watts to a T. He does what he, he wants and what he enjoys. He's such a great person, really great guy. Uh, and he was, um, I, I hear the story that he, I don't know who it was that told me, but he was going through the Australian uh, junior situation. He's in the Australian teams. And Matty Vadover was his backup as a starting point guard, Jack's six what? Six three, six four. Mandy Delavado is probably that as well. I don't know. You stand next to these basketballers and they're unusually tall because they're playing around seven footers all the time on the TV. They don't look that tall, but Jack is an absolute freak. Just shoots, goes in every single time. And I know you know him as well. He's uh, he's just a
0: gun. Yeah, he's one of those buggers where I'd kill for telling him one sport and he's got a lot in he's both. All, yeah.
1: And good looks. Mm. Girls <laughs> loved him, you know. Loved, he, as in past tense. Uh, love, uh, Probably still do, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> we, we don't know what goes on behind closed doors anymore because it's a different world. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Enough praising Jack Watts. He'll start to get an ego. Yeah. I asked him for some dirt on you and he gave me nothing but positive <laughs> things to say. So he is in the bad books. We're uh, going to celebrate your much decorated career. And what I love about talking to players from the Melbourne era in the last two decades... Admittedly, there's no premiership, but what there seems to be is a great bond and a lot of friendships mm. that have probably stood the test of time. And yeah. and I think that's probably stronger than what a lot of other clubs do have. What makes it so unique? I think it comes from where we
1: trained and how we trained. A, little, a, a splattering of a lot of different things and a big, a big splattering would be Neil Danaher, but Crawford, no, Mel Footy Club was training out of the Junction Oval. And I know we used to go over to Glen Ferry when you were there. And Glen Ferry was no superstar, you know, tip-top bloody joint for an AFL elite club either. No. But we were still jealous of that, you know, because it had a heart and a soul, Glen Ferry. You know, Melbourne, we had no heart, we had no soul. And we were the nomads of the AFL. And I'm looking back on it now and I see what Melbourne's got now and I see what other clubs have got now and I go, wow, that's just absolutely phenomenal. So to give you an idea, we, the Junction Oval's a, a postage stamp ground, you know, where they play cricket, uh, premier cricket. Um, the grand finals always played there. So we couldn't really train on it until about April, um, March, April, uh, before it was ready for us to train on. And we'd be training everywhere else. So sometimes we'd be at Glenferry. Sometimes we'd be at a Trinity Grammar in Bulleen, you know, because it was close to Neil Danaher's house. <laughs> Good oval, <though. laughs> It was a great, was quite... great place, but yeah. it took me an hour and a half to get there every <laughs> morning coming from Bayside. Uh, and then we'd be at the Witten Oval. We'd be at Vic Park. We're just trying to find a place where we could train. Um Then we'd, so a typical day, I think back in my prime was Trinity Grammar for a session in the morning, famous place where uh, Brock McLean did the uh, 360 doughies in his uh, Maloo or a Storm bloody ute and (laughs) got in trouble, you remember that story, it was in the Herald Sun, we laugh about it now, Uh, (laughs) and we'd go down to the Junction Oval, do some weights, and then we'd head out to Sandringham, there's an ath track out there in Sandringham, and we used to do our sprint training around that. So we were just doing tours of Melbourne every single day of the pre-season and they didn't give us any petrol <laughs> money either. <laughs> um, so, you know, that alone is hard enough, but it's okay because you're still training and it's, you know, you're, you're bonding because you're all in the trenches together. But I think the Junction Oval just was soulless. It had nothing, you know. we You go to Glenferry and you see, you feel Peter Hudson, you feel... Crimmins, you, you feel Scott, you feel the greats of that Dunstall, you know, the greats of that club, and you feel like you're a part of something big. We never felt like we were part of something big. We just felt like we were, you know, a bit bit, like, bit silly, really. There's, you see Ron Barassi used to train at the MCG all the time, and they won six premierships, and you'll never be as good as this, you know, and go down there to the junction over. That's how we felt. And Neil had to work his ass off to sort of create a, 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 a culture, and I think he did very, very well. That's probably why we got such a a good bond.
0: So John Elliott or Jack Elliott arrogantly described Melbourne as standing for nothing. Do you Mm. think there was a bit of a period where it did feel like that because you were the also-rans of the competition? Well,
1: it was frustrating because we kind of knew that's the way it looked and we were trying our butts off to to create something. Uh, How can a a bunch of players and Neil Danaher who are just trying to do a job and win games of football create a uh, 100-year history culture? We were out of the MCC. I don't know whose decision was that, uh, to leave the MCC. Uh, it was famously Jim Stein's idea to bring us back, which was the great first move on this way to a resurgence for the Melbourne Football Club and, and standing for something. And I think now, you know, as an outsider, I mean, you're from Hawthorne, you're a Hawthorne person, but you become an AFL person. You now look at Melbourne and go, well, actually, they are something. They're the, the, the originators of the game. They're out of the MCG. You know, they've got the name of the town in which the game is played and where it came from, you know, the red and the blue and and the people want to play for us now. But back then we we were, we we were so frustrated. Joe Goodnick, give us your money, you know, someone give us your money so we can create something. It just all looked desperate and we felt desperate. But when it came to training and it came to doing the job, Neil was able to sort of get the, the, the best out of us. Um... Uh, I think it must be an Assumption College thing there, you know, they might breed them well. It was done, all about uh, the
2: history, yeah. yeah, through school football. Uh, yeah. I reckon that's definitely ingrained in Neil Denner, and, mm. and we absolutely love Neil Denner. But, but Melbourne were very much similar to Hawthorne. Like, we, we'd lost our way, believe it or not, even mm. after so much success. So we, we were almost merged. We, we were yeah. virtually done. Melbourne had ticked yes, can you believe that? And Hawthorne had ticked no. no. Yeah. Um, but you put the, you know the Demons and the Hawks together, you get the Dorks. So, like, it's, <laughs> it like, it's, it's just, that would live with that team forever, but it was going to be a pretty good team that they put together. But the thing I love about the Melbourne Football Club is the past players, the connection you guys have got. Mm. Like, that, that is very, very special. And I, I don't see that with any other football club. I, mm. I obviously see that strong connection, and there's a lot of love there. And, you know, I know Colling with a with premiership team, um, you know, from 210, was it? You know, they're heavily connected and, and come together all the time. But mm. Melbourne is very different the way that you all have bandied together from all different um, walks of life, um, from different eras. And it's it's pretty amazing, you know, and whether or not Neil Denneher is the real centrepiece of that. But that's been continuing on for quite mm. some time. So that's that's a very special thing. We saw Andrew Gaze with the Boomers get highly emotional because of their history and, and what it meant to all it's those awesome. other players. Yeah. If Melbourne win the Premiership this year yeah. – I'd love to have a, a shot of in the room of known. all you guys because you're so, you know, with each other, mm. of how emotional that will be, how special something like that will be. I, I love the comment
1: that Andrew made and and about his father that they've got DNA on this, this uh, bronze medal. And, you know, there is a feeling in Australia now that... You know they've created something. That, he was saying we built the stadiums from nothing. We built uh, the, the, the how many registered players there were at the start, and now there's tens of thousands of players all wanting to play for the Boomers, which is brilliant. You know, okay, it's got to start from somewhere, and we I think we feel like that. You know, we went from the MCG uh, six premierships. You know, in in nine years under Ron Barassi and this great Norm Smith, and then they get sent out into the wilderness, and there's this real struggle for a long time, thinking that it'll all just happen. It'll all help them. Pass Happened for Melbourne, but it didn't. And in the 90s, um, you know, early 90s, you're, you would have seen Crawford and, and guys, you know, blokes like um, Gary Lyon and Todd Viney take the club from being very ordinary to finals contenders, Robert Flower at the end of his career, and then back down again for a little while. Neil Danaher comes along, Jim Steins, and we've been building towards this. So what we're seeing now, and and look, I'm sceptical still about Melbourne's, uh, you know, I'm I'm a little bit guarded about whether they're going to win a premiership this year, but I feel like the next few years we're going to be okay. And people are going to come back to our club. We've got amazing sponsorship. We've got amazing opportunity with where we are at the moment. But yes, us past players, I'm in a WhatsApp group with them. Uh, And they're all in. There's three of them, really. There's one that Neil started. There's one that uh, Rod Grinder started, who's been phenomenal for our past player group in bringing us all back together and making us feel inclusive. And it was all born from Tassie Johnson. Great name in the Melbourne Football Club. Uh, Got very sick towards the end of his life. uh, Living up in Queensland somewhere, uh, far north Queensland, Really sick, diabetes. Lost a leg, then lost another one. Was living in a small flat where there was only a shower, no baths. You know, no amenities. His wife was too old. They were just stuck. And someone reached out, and the past player group were able to come together and and um, give him some money to help him out. And from there, we all decided, and this is what past player groups are all about, that we were just not good enough, and we needed to do all we could to bring our people back together, because we've all got issues, we've all got problems. And the amount of past players that we've had to help out, uh, in terms of not just money, financial, but everything, has been unbelievable. So if your past player group's not doing this at the moment, they need to reach out and find all the guys that helped build these clubs to what they are now, uh, and... You know, do what you can. And we've been amazing. I, I, I'm i with you, Crawford. It's it's really pleasing to be a part of. You know, I feel like I'm supported. I feel like I've got a group that I'll always, you know, well, always well, put my back. the thing
2: is you, you are a part of it. And when the club, you know, went, was doing it tough, when they're trying to stay on their feet, when they're trying to stay alive, like there's so many players have played a role in that. Mm. And, you know, I have no doubt the club, if and when they do have that success, that, um, and that's one thing Alistair Clarkson, to his credit with Hawthorne, you know, for 17 years or so, being in the wilderness, mm. looking like not going to, you know, stay alive. He gave so much credit, you know, to the, a lot of the players that mm. moved on and he always made a real fuss, which was really, really special because I'm like, you know, I feel... Sorry that they couldn't be a part of when it comes good because I'm like, hang on, they're the ones who did it tough. They're the ones who kept fronting up. I'm I'm sure you can remember, you know, when you're trying to get memberships, getting on the phone, ringing people. Like, seriously, that's just unheard of. Like, football clubs, players, yeah, and you're arguing with members saying, no, we're not going to – you're no good, you're terrible, you're not winning games. It just wouldn't happen these days. Clubs wouldn't put players, you know, in Mm. those positions, whereas back in the day, Melbourne – very similar to Hawthorne, Mm. that's what had to be done. And it's awkward, and it's tough, and it hits you between the eyes when they go, no thanks, might get another team. And then they tell you how you you can improve your kicking.
0: Uh. (laughs) I used to cop that. (laughs) Without giving us names, can you tell us an example or two of some of the players that you have helped in certain scenarios? Oh, look,
1: you know, famously David Schwartz, we know, had his... Um, issues and and he was able to get on top of those issues without our help. There was some other key players and that and players like that, you know, guys that you know you think that they're okay, but they're not. And I, I really can't give away too much, but Tassie Johnson was the big one, and then it's these guys that were really important to the Melbourne Football Club through the fifties and sixties when they weren't earning any money at all. You know, it was just for the pride of the Melbourne Football Club, the MCC. You know, you'll come and play for us um working full-time jobs and they can't walk anymore their knees are blown out their hips are no good they can't you know function because of what they did on the football field for the red and the blue just for the pride of it so we've been able to help out um, some of those guys in their um, you know they're in the 70s and 80s and 90s now we just lost uh, one of them John Lord who was a superstar ruckman for us back in the day a great fella um, you know that's what we're all about helping them out. In those situations, but also, we know that the world is tough at the moment. There's a lot of stuff going on there. I mean, there is a lot going on behind the scenes with people f- struggling for work. You hear about Dieter Brummer up in Sydney, the, the the ex home and away. I think it was home and away, wasn't yep. it? star, star yep. and, and not being able to work anymore, and what that did to him. A guy needs to feel like he's useful and we're all feeling a bit useless at the moment so we're working really hard behind the scenes just making sure we're calling just calling for a chat and yeah there's a lot there's a lot going on without giving too much away
2: we had Brad Green on the show and he was he was fantastic but I'd imagine he was one you know um, you know with the sudden loss of his wife he was one that mm. the whole football ah. fraternity you know gathered around and just tried to lift him up and carry him forward mm. green is amazing Granny was always going to be okay.
1: And we knew that because he's just got this unbelievable ability to put a smile on his face and get on with it. Um, and you take that however you want. Some people will say, well, you know, not grieving too much, but but you don't understand what Granny's like. He's someone that you really need to take a leaf out of his book. He's phenomenal. Yep. Adversity happens, but you know, let's just get on with it. And, he, and it, that's what made him so successful in his football career, you know. wasn't always good, but next week was just a big smile on his face. He's a simple bloke. He's from Dazzy. He doesn't need too
2: much. Just get on with it, you know. He's you're got- not having a go at Tasmania, oh, are bit, you? A little bit, but I'm allowed hey, to, yeah. you know. Well, you're, you're one of the famous Taswegians. <laughs> well, we're simple folk
1: down there, I suppose, and and
2: he's one of the simplest. <laughs> <laughs> oh,
1: He's on our board. So good on him. He's doing well. Um, you know, we, we got behind him, but... In the end, it was kind of like, you know, he's making us feel better. You know, we're getting around him and the way he is is making us feel better about ourselves. We've got nothing to complain about. So we've gone through some some crap times with Troy Brawbridge uh, first. You've got Jim Steins. You know, Robbie Flower passes away. Uh, but then some, some tragedies. Dean Bailey. Neil Danher gets crook. It just seems like, and then what happens with Brad, it, it just sort of seems like um, those things are sent to test you, um, the individual and the wider group. And we were able to use those things to do this, bring it back together and, and really gel. And I think that's another um, aspect as to why we're sort of a close-knit group. That that adversity has kept rearing its ugly head for us. And um, I think you'll have to agree, there's been a lot for the Melbourne Football yeah. Club. So, um, you know, uh, Green, Green great. He really is a terrific fella.
0: Talking about Russell Robinson, we always hear... Almost football legends (laughs) and small, that magnificent footy show segment where footy fans across the nation sending clips. How instrumental was that segment on putting you on the Melbourne Football Club radar? Well,
1: it was everything, really. Uh, I did have a good year that year in 1995, 96, playing for the Tassie Mariners in the under-18s competition. I think I'd kicked 50, 60 goals from full forward under Chris Fagan, who's my absolute mentor, Second father, if he was around a lot more, I'd be with him a lot more. But he's up in <laughs> Brisbane. I can't get around him. Talk about small fellas, Crawford. He's a he's a great man. He's a great man. Um, he plucked me out of obscurity um, and put me in this Tassie team. And if it wasn't for him, you know, I would be nowhere. Um, so I'm indebted to to Fags uh, for my career and what I've been able to do. Um, and the other guy was was my dad. Uh, it's an interesting story about the marks, really, because. I don't know what it is with me. I I have this thing in me that if you tell me I can't do something, a lot of guys like to play in the AFL and make it to a a top level, and girls have this. You know, if you tell told you can't do something, it makes you go harder again to show you that you can. It was it was an affront to me, it insulted me if you said I couldn't do something. And I remember the moment where that was born. And you trace your timeline back far enough to any elite sports person as to why they've got this killer instinct with something that's made them get to the... You'll find what it is, I think, that made it happen for you. And it, I was just a knock-around kid, used to fall over too much, you know, useless ass. I broke every window in a house, just <laughs> amazingly awkward, without any real talent. Uh, I love footy, um, just like all of us kids back then. Footy was everything. Used to barry for the blues. Um, Stephen Kernan Stephen Savani were my idols I used to watch them we only got one game a week down there and Tassie used to it was usually Carlton and Hawthorne because they were so successful See, Brad, through Brad that era Brad Green was a blue yeah. as well
2: yeah. so it must have been a Tasmanian well, they did, thing they did a lot of stuff
1: down in Tassie they came right. down and, and, and got around all the community clubs and I think that's probably why even back into the 60s and 70s I think Sid Jackson is one of the great names down in Tassie because he used to get down there and, and go around all the footy clubs and anyway I digress. Um, I my dad was a school teacher, and he working all day long in a pretty crap school, treated like crap. Come home to four kids, three three daughters and a son. I think it was his outlet to come on, boy, we're going to go and have a kick, you know. And I think he recognized early that I had decent hands, you know, could mark the ball pretty well. Pretty crap at everything else, but uh, you know that can look after itself. He he decided he was going to work on me really hard on this marking thing, because i get frustrated, and if you'd understand this, mates. to come over get get outmarked all the time, because we're too short, you know, <laughs> it was annoying, and I'm a six foot now, but back then I was really small, and dad said, well, here's a trick, why don't you stand off them a little bit, and then go and run into their hips, and get a little bit of leverage off them, and try to get above their hands, now it was good, it worked, I've told this story a few times, it, it, it worked, but mates don't appreciate, <laughs> it's bruised hips all the time, so... He's rigged up this 4 by 2 off the front shed and put a, uh, a, 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 one of mum's stockings, put the woody in the leg of the stocking, tied it to an inner tube of my bike, so this rubber sort of thing. Now, you talk about Don Bradman doing that, you know, the, the golf ball yep. on the corrugated iron water tank out the front uh, in his driveway, over and over and over and over and over just getting his eye in. Well, this was my Don Bradman type training. I'd, he, he, this ball was just always up in the air and he'd be like right now run up and grab it pull it down to the ground let it go and it'll always just be there and get used to marking the ball above your head so he could go and do the lawn or whatever and I entertained myself for hours and we'd wind it around a few times and one of us would just stand underneath it and you'd come up and you'd take a hanger on him and bring it down to the ground let it go and it'd go back up and we just hours and hours of fun with that he got a a, a ruck bag and we didn't have a lot of money back then, teachers' wage. He got a ruck bag, he bought it from somewhere, came home and at night he'd just throw the ball up in the air and then just stand there. And I'd take the hanger or whatever. We'd have one-mark, hand-mark hand competitions for the, who, see, who would do the washing up and the drying up, you know. <laughs> no dishwashers back then. And then I'd get on the trampoline and kick hit, hit the ball and I'd have to bounce off the trampoline and catch the ball and land on the ground. So all of this stuff that I did really honed in my ability in the air, I had this uh, awareness in the air and I had an awareness of how to land soft and not get hurt. And it was second nature for me to be in the air. It wasn't, it was uncomfortable for me playing in the back line and kicking the ball to somebody. I hated it because it just didn't feel comfortable. In the forward line, it was all just free to me. It's all up in the air. I've got Nita and Schwader and Gary there. I can sit on their shoulders if I need to. <laughs> it was all just, anyway, I go to the Tassie Mariners. Chris Fagan finds me this kid who can take a mark. And there's another moment there as well. It's just, it's just great teaching moments for kids if they're listening to this. Peter German, remember Germo came down and coached the Bernie Dockers. He, uh, he was, uh, I, was playing for, I was playing for my footy team at the school, Penguin, a little town called Penguin in between Bernie and Devonport. And they told me I had to go and play for Bernie under Germo to get the good coaching. And one night I'm going to training and Dad says to me, tonight after training I want you to go out to Germo and I ask him, what is it you did to make it to the AFL because I want to make it too. And I said, No, I don't. I'm not doing that. I'm 16. I do not want to talk to Peter German. I'm scared or whatever. He said, Do it. I promise you it'll be a good thing for you. So that night after training's finished, Germo's in the gym by himself and I'm walking out. Dad's waiting in the car park for me and I'm thinking, oh, Dad's going to ruin me if I don't ask. I don't want to. But anyway, I walked over and I asked him. And you could see when I asked him, chest puffed out a little bit, got a little bit, and, you know, he told me his story. I walked out, I learned a couple of things, but it was a huge moment for me because it was probably about a month later, Chris Fagan rings up and asks, have you got any kids there that we can get along to this training thing? And he goes, yeah, I got this, this kid, but there's this one kid, Russell Robertson, I reckon you've got to get him along. He's a really good kid. Wouldn't have happened if I had not gone up and asked him and got in his face and whatever. And, and, you know, good people, you know, is, is an important thing. Anyway, I make it to the uh, Tassie Mariners under Chris Fagan, and I take these couple of marks during the year. It gets sent off to the Almost Footy Legends segment. Eddie plays it on the show, and I win the car, and it wasn't my video. Somebody else got it, but I ended up getting drafted. I go on to do all this wonderful stuff, you know, play against this bloke out on the MCG, and, and none of that would have happened if my old man didn't take the time to understand what it is that... I was good at uh, great facilitators. You need someone to be able to help you. It's too hard to do by yourself. If I didn't have dad, I would not have made it anywhere if I didn't have Chris Fagan, if it didn't have German, if I didn't have dad. You know, to if you don't have somebody that can help you, you've got to go and find them. You can't use them as an excuse. I was lucky it was their awesome person to facilitate what I had to do. But if you don't have anyone, oh well, I'm not going to make it because I've got no one. No excuse. You've got to go find
2: someone. But but the thing I love about that is like, we always talk about you've got to train and be better at things that you're not very good at, which, yeah, you've got to get them to a certain level, but you've still got to train what you're very good at at. and go from being good to see if you can make yourself really great at that, which is what you did. When when I think of you as a player, I think of you like a pop-up sprinkler. Mm. You you could virtually jump and jump straight up, you know, which a lot of players – can't do that, they need to really launch into it, whereas obviously that was something that you were practising a lot. A lot. Um, Did you ever do any high jump or anything like that? yeah. Were you any good at high jump? I did, I was good at uh, triple jump
1: was my thing at school, just strong on one leg, Um, so I did a lot of that, loved high jump, unfortunately not the body type to be great at it, taller guys usually get that one, Um, but yeah, I loved athletics and I loved uh, field, athletics, loved all that sort of stuff. and. The other thing that made me jump so high, Crawford, is I used to do a paper round on a Sunday. I don't know if you did. Did you ever do a paper round? Yeah, absolutely. A lot of kids did, but (laughs) I used to do the Sunday paper, and the Sunday paper's thick, isn't it? It's huge. Yeah. I used to deliver 40 of those bastards around Penguin
2: Well, because is is there a few Uh, little hilly Yeah, Yeah,
1: really hilly. And mum and dad never helped. I'd just have to I'd walk down the town. I'd fold up the papers, put it in the bag, chuck it on my back and walk these hills. And I did it from the age, I think, from 10 (laughs) to 17, for God's sake. 17. I said to mum and dad, I'm not doing this anymore. It's embarrassing. (laughs) Going to college and, you know, we call it college down there, but, you know, year 12. And I'm still doing a paper round. I'm not doing it anymore. Did you
2: see any sights on a Sunday morning, you know, wandering around Penguin delivering I'll tell you a paper?
3: What? It's not rude. It's, it's not like the
2: milkman's <laughs> here, the paperman's here, and the paper boy. Um, Nothing like that. Anything untoward. I did once. I <laughs> you ever get the, dragged in? I reckon I was 13.
1: And <laughs> and can I say the S word? I, I, I knocked on the door, and I hear this boy go, oh, fuck for Christ's sake Carter man take a shit in peace
2: I said I got your paper maybe you can read the paper you are doing that I thought, oh, I just put the paper down and I walked away <laughs> you can oh, have yeah. that one for free mate happy Sunday <laughs> it's just the paper
1: uh, one day I think I was probably about the same age I knocked on the door and he goes the bloke fella looked at me goes you want a tip I said yeah he goes don't get married
0: <laughs> <laughs> No tip at all I just not walk away with that uh. one <laughs>
1: Oh, there you go. Good memories. These are the things that shape you.
0: G'day, punters for the chance to win a ticket for you and 10 mates into the Tab Superbox. The magic code word this week is Premiership. Full terms and conditions in the show notes.
3: There's a chill in the air, but the footy's heating up. And so is Tab's Same Game Multi, where you can combine your favourite AFL markets, like head-to-head, anytime goal scorer and total disposals, all in the one bet to get bigger odds. It's available all season long on the TAB app and website. Build your AFL same game multi with TAB today. TAB, long may we play.
0: Available online for Tabacan customers only. Gamble responsibly. Call Gambler's Help. 1-800-858-858. We had Adam Cooney on a week ago, and he was told six months out the Western Bulldogs were taking him with number one pick in the national draft. It Mm. sounds like it was a different story with you going to Melbourne. It was. Pick 68,
1: and it was was unusual. Um, No one, I didn't go to the draft camp, and there were guys, we had eight guys drafted, from Tasmania that year, which was unheard of. We'd get one or two. Good talent comes out of Tasmania, but it comes out in drips and drabs, obviously, the population. We didn't even get it on radio, the draft. and I think it was done and dusted by 11.30, 12 o'clock. I'd gone to school because I couldn't find it on the radio, the wireless, for <laughs> God's sake. Isn't that ridiculous? Or well, the fanfare that they've got now. And I went to school. I was so nervous, I just sat in the common room, and I reckon it was about 2 o'clock in the afternoon someone comes in and goes, Have you heard... Five bikes have been drafted from Tassie, and you're not one of them. <laughs> oh oh no. I Said, oh, great!" He told me the names. And I was, "Oh, that's fantastic!" But then I was doing the whole, well, "What am I going to do yeah. now?" I didn't think I'd get drafted. I was just hoping. We had an eighteenth that night, somewhere in out of skirts of Hobart. It took about forty-five minutes to get there, way out in the bush. This is a good. This is a good learning story as well. Boat Harbour was it? <laughs> that's a beautiful place. You've it been, is postcards. You've been there, haven't you?
2: No, I like it. It's, I'm happy to buy real estate there. I was like there about a, a month
1: ago. Caught the biggest salmon just off the rocks there. Oh mate, you got to go to Tassie if you <laughs> when all this crap goes away. <laughs> um, and the phone rang around about six o'clock at night, and I was already half tanked. You know, get it's a mate of mine I'd played for tar- t- in the Tassie team. With he said, mate, what are you doing? Hey, oh, you know, just having a few drinks at Buglugs's party. He said, you don't know, do you? I said, know what. He said, you've been drafted to the Demons, because he barracked for the Demons, he just watched the news, oh. the six o'clock news, it was on the six o'clock news. I said, what? I said, that's a pretty crap joke to play on someone, mate. I said, I know, five guys have been drafted and I'm not one of them. He goes, mate, eight blokes have been drafted, you're one of them. So I hung up pretty quick and I rang mum, and mum had just watched the news. So she didn't even know. Wow. The club had been trying to call, but they were at work or whatever, and Dad got a phone call from mum at work as well and they just... The reactions that I... It makes me get the uh, the tingles now, but... Yeah, I rang mum and she was in tears, you know, so I knew then and the party became a really <laughs> bloody good party after that.
2: Did any clubs make contact with you prior to the draft? It was, it was done very differently
1: Yeah, back then. it was. You remember we played top-up players for the reserves back then because it was Melbourne reserves. Sometimes they'd play on the G, you know, before the senior game, they were a great day and I reckon they've got to bring that back. Play a game before the senior game out on the... Absolutely. On these I reckon it should be the women's game before the men's game. That'd be brilliant. It should
2: be a game. A game. Of Just some anything. sort, yeah. Un-
1: it's something. But it, you
2: know? it was always nice to be able to watch the reserves yes. because, you know, you can actually get in amongst it, mm. go in at half-time, pump up your teammates that you, you weren't playing with. Mm. It was always that real nice connection. That's one thing that's really missing. And it's always yep. good for the supporters. They come a yep. bit early. And they, they suss out the second half and go, oh, actually, Russell Robinson's moving well. Yeah. He'll come in the seniors in the next few weeks. So it was, it was always a real good indicator on, um, you know, how everything was going yep. and the improvement the young kids were making and the connection was really strong. It's got to be brought back. It just has to be. It was one of the great things of football. So, yeah. So Melbourne
1: didn't speak to you? No, they didn't speak to me. I'd played a couple of top-up games, that's right, and the under-18s, you get a call-up. So I played a game for Melbourne and... All I can remember from that was Stephen Phoebe gave me the biggest roast of all time for not handballing the ball to him. But <laughs> handballing wasn't natural to me. He didn't realise, so. <laughs> uh, but that was down at Skilled Stadium or what India Park is was called back then. And I remember the drive down just going, this is pretty crap. <laughs>
2: this, 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 this is this not Between
1: Melbourne and uh, Geelong's pretty crap. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but I played yeah, down there and it was in the wet and I must have done some nice things because I think when they were looking around and they saw these marks, because I got a phone call the day after the marks on the footy show, had won. Um, interestingly, the car I was supposed to have won, I didn't get it. It was given to the state football, Tasmanian state football, because no. it was their videotape.
0: <laughs> I got nothing. Nothing for you. Nothing. What do you remember about Melbourne for the first time you walked into the club? I remember Gary Lyon
1: really you know, just a massive big fella um i remember being a fish out of water i remember being scared i lived in a little flat by myself and it was awful
2: did you you moved out of melbourne into yeah. they put you up by yourself it no, so stand on was... your,
1: your own two feet where you go Yep. It was a different time you know it was you've just got to basically man up and get on with it so i they moved me into a flat and look to be honest, there was a girl that lived in there that worked for the club. She was an older lady, but she basically didn't live there. She lived with a partner. And they said, Well, you've got the run of the place. You must love it. Go for it. And I was, man, I'd grown up on the northwest coast of Tasmania. Mum had cooked every meal. I'd never done washing for myself. <laughs> and then they were like, Fend for yourself. She said, There's food in the freezer. Go for your life. I panicked, you know, I was across the road from a graveyard there on Williams Road there in um, Ormond, <laughs> <laughs> looking out at this angel sort of, <laughs> like, oh, this is awful. Welcome to Melbourne. Yeah, I couldn't, I, I needed to know where the ocean was. I didn't even know where the ocean was. I hated it. But, you know, I rang dad and mum and dad and, and I said, you know, I'm struggling. And I might have sounded a little bit panicked, but dad just basically barked down the phone and said, oh, well, you might as well pack up your crap and come home in. Brutal. But it's kind of what I needed because I was like, no, 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 no. Because I didn't want to, you know, disappoint dad. So I just got on with it. And I remember walking into the club and seeing Gary Lyon, this big hairy man. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> and I, G- Gary's a hard person to know. I know he probably worked with Gary a lot. Wonderful man on TV. He's amazing at what he does. But uh, for a young kid that wasn't his kind of kid, I think Gary really helped me a lot adapt to AFL life, the old saying, adapt or die. Gary helped me so much with that because I was so wet behind the ears. I was a little bit all about me and what I could do. And he was quite brutal with me. And I, I don't think he necessarily liked me. I don't think he still does. Um, but that not liking me and not being able to impress him, that thing about... You know, wanting to show you that I can do this. Gary brought that out a lot in me. He didn't even know this. I've never had this conversation. I've never told anyone this. Gary doesn't like, really like me as a person. Maybe because I was sort of coming into his position a little bit too. It shouldn't be threatened by someone like me. But I wanted to impress him so bad. Uh, and so I learned a lot about how to be at a football club by watching him for a couple of years. Um, you have to be brutal. You have to be tough. And you have to adapt pretty quick um or as you get found out at footy clubs you get told in no uncertain term, you're not doing this right you're not doing that right gary was good at that
0: how was he brutal
1: uh i think just um big loud barking orders um we all wanted to and i swear if he said go jump off this 10th story you know building right now you'd do it you just He had that presence about him. Uh, I think that kind of brutal. I don't mean brutal. You're a weak as piss or anything. Nothing nothing like that. Just was hard to gain his appreciation and love. Like he Massive love for Jimmy and, and those guys of that era. Of course, they came through together and all these young kids coming through. You have to earn it. He made you feel like you had to earn it. That wouldn't happen today, Groff. It just doesn't happen like that anymore. Everyone has a say now. We're all equal. But back then, you had to earn your stripes. and. And I appreciate it now, absolutely appreciate it. Still would try to get his appreciation and and respect, um, even though we have finished, a long, long time finished, and we're both sort of equal now, you know. So, yeah, that's what I remember the most about Mount Football Club
2: early.
0: Why do you say he didn't like you and he probably still doesn't now? Well, I don't know. I, don't know. I think
2: you've been a bit harsh, yeah. Probably. Like, like he, yeah, sometimes he just, you know, he he just gets on and moves on to the next thing. But yeah. I think there's there'd be a lot of respect there. And I think, you know, if you're sitting around having a red wine, you know, he he does have a bit of love inside him. So yeah. I'm sure, you, you know, sometimes you can look at it. A bit harsh. But he, he was very much like that when he was on the footy show. He'd bark mm. orders and mm. he'd be up and about. Um, yeah. And then I'm like, push off, Gary. Like, no. well, it's I said, I'm yeah. doing it the way I want to do it because I'm going to live or die well, with you're live the, TV. Yeah. I, I'm going to back myself in here. But um, You're the
1: Luke but, Longley to Michael Jordan type deal, wasn't it? Luke Longley I'm, comes in as this, oh, no. shut up, Michael Jordan. I'll do it my way. You Because know, he was very elitist like that, uh, Gary. So,
2: yeah. Yeah, so, no, he, he's, he's extremely complicated, but when you strip him back, you know, it's he's just a country boy, you yes, know, very yes. much like look, all of us, just a country boy who's, mm-hmm. um, you know, happy to sit around a fire and talk some crap. Yeah. Um, and he's got lots of crap stories he can talk. Oh, yeah. I, I was <laughs> sat around a, uh, a dining
1: table one day when I was probably about 14 and I just made this selected team. You know, you go through all those um, state, Bloody, um, trials or whatever and I'd made it to the next level in something out of this little town in Penguin and no one else had. And there were guys in that town, Justin Platt came from the same town and, and I don't think he necessarily made it or whatever. And I'd got selected, I must have had a really good carnival and my dad sat me down and his best friend was there and he said, tell tell Don what you've just made, Russ. So I tell him, "It's 13 year old kid, I told my dad's best friend, oh I made it to this, this team and... The reaction that he gave wasn't the one I was expecting. It was kind of like, What? <laughs> really? You know, you I said, Oh, yeah. <laughs> he goes, do you, How? Do, do you think you're better than this player, this player, this player that lives in the town? And I said, oh. He goes, Because you're not. That was his, I fared That's what he said. He was offended that I'd made this side. And I went on to, you know, use that, I think, because I looked at dad and I was, Dad, are you going to say something to this arsehole? <laughs> <laughs> and dad looked at me like, oh, well, I think dad was just looking at me to see what I would do. Maybe with that. he'd G them up. He said, listen. Yeah, yeah, get him on You want to
2: keep him honest, not get ahead of himself, give him a bit of. Because I, I had
1: propensity to do that, <laughs> get ahead of myself. Uh, and I used that. I really did use that. I didn't like being told the way he reacted and um, I decided from that day on I was going to prove everybody that I, I wasn't this useless kid that broke every window in the house and fell over a lot. I could I could do this, you know.
2: When you think back to, um, you know, Gary, you know, when you, you thought, oh, hang on, I don't know, we're just not really connecting like we should. Yeah. But you think about Russell Robinson comes into the team. Yeah. Okay. He jumps, you know, small buildings or sometimes big buildings. <laughs> Jeff Farmer comes into the side, yeah. so you got all these forwards That's are coming in. He's head. getting a bit older. He's thinking, "He's <laughs> got a bad back. This is not good. <laughs> this is not good." And then, not only to really stir that relationship up. Jeff Farmer takes one of, the, one of the, <laughs> the greatest marks you're ever going to see. You've taken it many over the top of Gary. Yes. No wonder. He's probably got lumps in the back of his head <laughs> thinking, that one's Russell Robinson. That one's <laughs> Russell. That's, <laughs> That's Jeff Farmer right there. Big studs are still in my shoulder, mate. <laughs> <laughs> uh, No wonder. It just brings back so many bad memories uh, and all those headaches that he had over his time.
1: <laughs> you know, and Gary could have been... One of the greatest of all time for the Melbourne Football Club. If it wasn't for his back, too, you know, he he really was cruel. In this guy could kick goals, go back, play in the midfield, an absolute freak, you know. And and, and in terms of a leader, there was none better at the Melbourne Football Club. I, I only remember him as a to a nineteen or twenty year old. You just want to run through brick walls for him. We played in the um the EJ Witten Legends game a few times, and Wayne Carey's on our team, being a um, all star. He comes into the room. We're all sitting there. Some blokes are having darts, for God's sake. You know, that's how relaxed it is before a game.
2: Glenn Archer? <laughs> yeah, having a
1: dart. I'm like, you can't smoke inside, Glenn. Uh, having a beer before the game. Wayne walks in with just his red shorts on. And screams at us, We're going up smoke three Victorian seas today, boys And I was like,
2: Yes
1: we are <laughs> I felt like running through a brick wall. Some people have just got it, haven't they, like
2: that? Well just that competitive yeah, you know, you talk about your basketball. Once you cross that line you can't help it. And, it's and like you wanna you wanna do well.
1: Yeah. Oh you just with Gary and, and blokes like Wayne Carey, people say, well, what is it about them that made them such great leaders? I don't know. They just make you wanna do stuff and yeah, Gary what, was like that. What
2: about the great Jim Steins? He, um, you know, I, I, I love Jim Steins. Um, I can remember my last um, encounter with him. I was driving along Beach Road. I saw him walking, you know, um, and I pulled over, gave him a big cuddle, and then drove Take off. Time. But I, I sort of my relationship with him uh, come about with the um, the. Irish series, you know, the Gaelic rules or the international rules. Mm. So he was obviously heavily involved from a coaching point of view, from a playing point of view, but he was always the inspirational leader. So Mm. we sort of, you know, grabbed a a great connection from there. And i just always admired, you know, what a great man. So can you talk about the great Jimmy Steins? And, you know, even today, you know, he still Mm. pops up in our memories all the time because of, you know, the influence he had on our game.
1: Well, I mean, I think he he, he was a man before his time. You look at the way culture is around football clubs and sport now. He was trying to do that. Uh, with what he was doing with the youth guys, obviously, it uh, really brought that in. I mean, it was a passion for, he, for him to see young kids prosper, uh, go from being downtrodden to prospering. You know, clubs are trying to reenact that. Now, they're trying to create that at their football club where they can bring the best out of these kids and talk about their problems. It's something that was never discussed in the past. You just, like I said, when my dad barked at me on the phone, "and Moswell as come home. No, no, it's all good. I'll be fine, even though I wasn't fine. With Jimmy, it was, no, 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 tell me. Talk to me. It's not fine. Tell me more. I would sit around a room... I remember one, one day, young kids, we'd just been drafted, there was probably about 10, 15 of us, so it might have been my second year, and we had one of these sessions that he used to hold with Reach, which was to tell us your innermost fears, thoughts, and it was the hardest thing I've ever had to do, I reckon, to st- stand up and tell these guys what I was scared of, because I was brought up in a time, you don't do that, you don't talk about your fears, you don't talk about um, you know, your your failures and older man now, over forty, it's easy for me to just, you know, verbally <laughs> vomit all all my, you know, innermost thoughts. I think it helps when people tell their stories and, you know, the, what's helped create them or what's made them scared or their their you know, there's some crap that's happened to me over the last ten years that I would easily just talk about now. Um, it's made me a better person and it I can do it better now because of people like Jim Stimes. Because he showed me that you can stand up in front of other blokes and tell them what you're really scared of, and he'd stand up and tell something, and he'd cry in front of us. That never happened. That never happened in my life. Dad and I shook hands, no cuddles, you know. Jimmy was like that. And that was never happening anywhere. And uh, that was where he was really, really good. And if he was still around today, he'd be just an absolute you know, gem for any football club anywhere because he had this amazing ability to do that. So He was a grumpy bugger.
2: Yeah, he was, He, was, he but think. he had that sort of killer instinct, didn't mm. he? That determination and obviously that was because he was told early on, I don't know if this game's for you, you're not good yeah. enough, you, yeah. you know, you need to improve in so many areas but yeah. he just went, he said, right, okay, I'll go. I'll get to work and yeah. I'll improve myself. So when, he, when he'd give you a spray or when he'd say something and you'd all come in, could you understand Not him? a word. No, that's the thing, isn't it? <laughs> when the, he rushes, you're <laughs> like, what? what did Jim just say then? I don't yeah. know. Well, when, in
1: did moments of motion, <laughs> I think you go back to what's primal and being primal for him is very Irish. <laughs> <laughs> it's a lot of fook. Fook <laughs> was the word. Yeah. <laughs> what is that word? Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> but yeah, no, I, I was really lucky. Uh, that I came into a club where I, Gary I used a lot, Jimmy I got a lot out of, Stephen Tingo was a great person for our culture, great shepherd and guy, but uh, introvert, extrovert. That Super fit, saw him only a yep. week and a half ago. Unbelievable man. Steve.
2: And um, yeah, it just yeah lives mm-hmm. and breathes fitness, which is great to see. He always had a hip issue yeah, towards the end yeah. of his career, which slowed him down, but he seems, yeah. I think he had a hip replacement recently.
1: I think there's a, a mixture of two things there. I think he fell through a playgrass window. Uh, walking down Clarendon Street I believe and that, that exacerbated what was probably there but he had a lot of hamstring issues because he sliced everything to, to pieces he was lucky to be alive actually he lost a lot of blood he was mucking around with his girlfriend at the time she gave him a bit of a hip and shoulder just as he was walking in between steps and he's basically oh. falling through a plate glass window and he, reckons, he recounts the story that he had a big towel in this hole in his leg that because every, everything just retracted and it was just filling up with blood and blood transfusions, whatever ambulances. He lost his mum after a game and I'm sure he wouldn't mind me telling it. She said to him, you know, Stephen said, to, Stinger said to his mum and dad, stay, it's too far back to Shepparton you know, in Richmond. She said, no, no, I've got to get back. They didn't make it back. It just, they don't know what happened, they might have fallen asleep at the wheel or something, lost his mum in tragic circumstances. And this is before I got to the club, and then to see him who'd worked through all that crap to still be a really great person and only want to help you as a as a young man, he was phenomenal, phenomenal like that. So we had some really great mentors. Jimmy Steins was one of those.
2: And you, you throw David Neitz in there, yeah, the great Neat. David Swartz, very <laughs> colourful character. Oh, I love who, playing with Swater. Yeah, who wouldn't love playing with someone like that? Best like to play footy with. I went. I went on his. Uh, no, Ralphie Horowitz, um, mad Melbourne supporter, but yeah. we went on his bucks party, yeah, um, which was the, to the Seymour races. And David Swartz, um, he was coming a bit later because he he had Our I don't know, training or had something on <laughs> anyway. So he was, so he drove up in his Mercedes or BMW or whatever. Anyway, I'm I'm obviously at Hawthorn at the time. I wasn't drinking, so I was just going along for the day out, which was good. Everyone was having the time of their life having a drink. We got the bus up. So Swarter's come down. He's like, how am I going to get my car back? Because he wanted to have a drink and a punt as well. And a punt, yeah. So I ended up driving Swarter's car back, had it for a couple of days, (laughs) and he'd had such a big day at the Bucks party, went back, and then, you know, had a great time out. He – he had no idea what happened to his car for a couple of days. Whereas, matter of fact, <laughs> I actually had his car. And he's like, "How, what, how did, did it, it end up with you?" And I'm like, "I wasn't drinking, so I said oh, I can drive your car back for you." So I actually did you a favour. But oh, um, we got so he was a colourful character. Great stories about
1: Schwarter. You know, recovery <laughs> session wasn't a real premium. Wasn't what really in his uh, you know his first option. Recovery for him was sleep. Uh, go out
2: after the game, have a it does make a bit of sense, it does. The, the best helps. form of recovery is having a good night's sleep. Well, so well, that's one thing I don't understand is why they try and get you up early and go in the next morning.
1: You would be in there at 7 o'clock, 8 o'clock. I think they were trying to get us off the fears. That's yeah. probably what it was. <laughs> Alistair Nicholson, who played full-back for Melbourne for a lot of years, much maligned player, terrific guy. Um, he's done very well post-football career. Yeah, what, what's his, his, well, his... Well, he was a Australian Cricket Association, and then he's now... Um, He's moved on to the coaches, uh, Bass Coach Association. So, very very smart guy. Um, he lived with Schwarter for a lot of years. He could tell you so many oh, bloody so he stories. Could write he, a also, book. he also lived with Paul Hopgood. So, oh, oh my God, God, bless him! <laughs> so hey. God bless him. He reckons he's he's he was the nineteen-year-old trying to teach this senior guy who's been doing it for a long time the right way to do things. He'd be waking him up to go to recovery sessions. He woke him what one day. He said, I'll meet you in the car. Slaughter's like, yeah, no worries. Goes down the car. He turns it on. He's sitting in the garage waiting. Where the hell is he? So he rings him. Schwartz answers the phone. He goes, you're still asleep, aren't he? He goes, yeah, I'll be there in a minute. He goes, come on, mate. And he just hung on the phone and then he heard this. <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> he's going gone back to sleep. he just, just chucked in a
1: new person left he got kicked off training track a few times just rocking up too drunk or late or whatever and he's like ah stuff it <laughs>
2: imagine doing that now Paul Hopgood Paul Hopgood was a, a great contributor um, a bit of a tagger yeah. I remember playing on he him at Waverley yeah. Yeah. and he um, and I was going okay, but then when there was uh, Waverley's big, huge oval. Um, so there was a boundary throw-in right in front of the Hawthorne interchange. And this was probably uh, into the third quarter. And um, as the ball's been thrown in, Hoppy has just wound up, and he's punched me as hard as he possibly could. Uh but in the nuts. (laughs) So I have dropped. I have dropped. The bench wanted to kill him. They wanted to run on to the field and just throb him. It starts whacking away. Whereas I dropped to the ground. I was gone for at least five minutes. And I've never been hit like that before. (laughs) And then when I finally got up and going again, and I always had a good relationship with him, I said, yeah. well, what, "What did you do that for?" And he's like, "We well, just wouldn't stop running. It's the only way I could stop you." I said, "Jesus!" But if he did anything like that these days, it was caught on camera. Yeah, ten, weeks, ten weeks he would have got. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I tell you what, he try And every time I see him, I said, "Mate, I'm still recovering," because I see him every now and then oh. when we go for a little wander down uh, along, you know, bayside along the beach. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's having a I wonder, but um, mate, every time it just brings back those memories. I'm just like, oh no, that character, what a, character.
1: What a <laughs> character! I mean, you can't argue with that response, though, can you? You're running too much. Fair enough.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough.
0: Folks uh, are cringing just listening to that yeah. story. I'll, I'll tell you what. If
2: I don't know if you could get footage of that incident, but I'll tell you what. If there's, if there's a camera angle. He, he would get 10 weeks oh yeah but I'm like oh well he did his job he stopped me from running for a bit
1: <laughs> an amazing guy that kept around for a long time because of he, what he brought to the football club you know football clubs are full of these guys that you sort of go well how is that guy even playing or is he still even on a list but they you, you need those guys around like I mean Gary obviously but then you've got Paul Hopgood who who um, I, I think he would he's genuine care for his fellow man. Not necessarily the most gifted, talented sports person, but his genuine care for other people. You've got that in spades, and that's what made you such a great leader. I mean, here's a guy who's a Brownlow medalist going to the MCG or wherever you're playing, and you pick up a kid Give him a lift, you know, just uh, or something like that. The story I remember is a long time ago now, but
2: something
3: yeah, like yeah, that. Like yep. that,
2: that's unbelievable that people would do that. Like we well, did have a Hawthorne jumper, and he was standing still. in my driveway as I was leaving. Do uh, so you I want thought, to live? I reckon I know where you're going. <laughs> that's
0: unbelievable. He <laughs> <So you> just offered <laughs> him even lift to the ground. Well, did it, you? Was, it was
2: actually a guy I had flown down from Darwin, and um, I used to live next door to the Espy, and uh, I loved it there. So I came out of my driveway. This guy had a Hawthorne jumper on, and. I said, mate, you, you want a lift? Jump in. It's unreal. And so he's like, oh, oh, yeah, awesome. <laughs> so he jumps in and then uh, I'm just driving along and we had a chat. And he'd come down from Darwin to go to the match. But what I actually found out after I dropped him off, because, you know, word gets around, um, is that he was actually meeting a friend down St. Kildaway to have a breakfast or a late breakfast, <laughs> he brunch. gave up on that. So he just said, "Stuff that." <laughs> I'm jumping in the car, car with Crawford. I'm going to the footy, so we got to the footy about three hours too early. <laughs> but you
1: know, I, I love that story. I love that story because whenever I see, I think of it when I see a Melbourne jumper or a Melbourne support. If I've got something to give, like a scarf or whatever, or say good day, I'll do it because I think it's yep. just absolutely brilliant. Because you need that. Humility in football club. And what you've learned from doing something like that is, and it enriches the football
2: club as well. But the problem is that a couple of weeks later, all the local Hawthorne supporters who knew I lived there, yeah, one they of were the just lift. hovering in their jumpers. <laughs> Can I get a lift? As I'm leaving, I'm like, oh, shit, surely not. Imagine this
0: is- <laughs> his mate, though, when he rings him, going, where were you? Well, you wouldn't believe it, Shane
2: Crawford <laughs> drove me to the ground. Yeah, right. right. I think he actually yeah, got right. a, a cab back... <laughs> And they had oh. the brunch, and he said, "Oh, I had to go. I had to go for a ride." He will so. never forget that. He will never forget that story. Oh, just, well, I actually went to Darwin for the, the AFL when I'd finished, and I I went to get one of the, into the coffee shop, and I was standing. This guy comes up t- to me, and I'm thinking. How are you, mate? Because I'm a Hawthorne supporter. I said, "Oh, good, oh, good on you. Yeah, awesome to have a Hawthorne supporter up in Darwin." Is that because of you know Cyril or you know? Yeah, yeah. He said, "No, no, I, I love, I love you." And I he said, does. "Oh, really?" And he's lifted up his jean and he had a tattoo of me on his oh. calf of my face. That's and and I said, that's what I'm talking. And I'm like, wow. Yep. I said. And then he started asking questions. How long are you here? Where are you staying? What's going on? I oh, said, oh no. It. No, no, no. I would to take me out of the bush. I'm going to disappear forever.
0: Get <laughs> punters for the chance to win a ticket for you and ten mates into the Tab Superbox. The magic code word this week is premiership. Full terms and conditions in the show notes.
3: There's a chill in the air, but the footy's heating up. And so is TAB's Same Game Multi, where you can combine your favourite AFL markets, like head-to-head, anytime goal scorer and total disposals, all in the one bet to get bigger odds. It's available all season long on the TAB app and website. Build your AFL Same Game Multi with TAB today. TAB, long may we play.
0: Available online for Tabacan customers only. Gamble responsibly. Call Gambler's Help. one 858
3: 858
0: They
1: genuinely, <laughs> genuinely up that way love football so much that they call their kids, even in the Tiwi, they'll call their kids a yeah. name of an AFL player. Yeah. Like, there's kids up there, well, they're older blokes now, called Dunstall or, or, or Brereton. Or There'd be, be a kid up there. No doubt there'd be a kid up in the Tiwi. His name's Petrarca. Yeah. That's what they've called him, Petrarca.
2: Because yeah, but, but, but sometimes they don't say, uh, they'll, they'll say, this is Christian Petrarca. So they yeah. don't just give him one name. I like you him the full name. The full name. <laughs> yeah, Shane yeah, absolutely. <laughs> oh, Crawford. Yeah, absolutely. Hi, Shane. Nice to meet you.
0: It's outstanding. It is. We love it. Now, we want to talk about your brilliant career, especially one year where you were simply sensational. 2005, you kicked 73 goals. Ooh. Yeah. Going back to 2010, that would have won the Coleman every year between now and 2010, with the God. exception of Josh Kennedy's years. What made that year so special for you? And how the bloody hell did you not get in the All-Australian team? <laughs>
2: oh, no. Yeah. You didn't well, get in the All-Australian team <laughs> kicking 73. No, and I do keep a close eye on the small forwards getting in. Who was, who, uh, who was in the All-Australian team that year as the forwards? That's what I want to know. Brad
0: Johnson in one forward pocket and Spider Everett in the other small yeah. Yeah. Ford Pocket. Spide had a great year.
1: I can't remember who the other Ruckman was, but Spide had a great year. And I think Jared Healy.
2: Well, you couldn't, couldn't get you on the interchange yeah, at least. Yeah, I know. Jared, 73 goals. Know.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Jared Healy said to him, to me, maybe, may he rot in hell, said, uh, <laughs> we wanted you to have two good
2: years in a row before oh, we put you in. what a load of crap that is. Yeah. The All-Australian is on done him. on that year and what you're producing yeah. right in front of them at that time. And I think it brings a lot of respect,
1: the All-Australian, too. And, and, and post your career, you sort of – well, he was an All-Australian, so he, w- he was pretty decent. And, and it doesn't matter – um, because I don't even think my son really cares that much you know, that I played in the AFL because he, he would be, care if I played in the NBA, but n- he doesn't really care that much because it's always been part of his world. But it would have been nice recognition um, to show that, oh, well, you guys actually do rate that I, I, I could play. 73, I, I, the reason I kicked 73 is I was kicked straight. I just had a year where everything was just coming off the boot beautifully, and I don't think I kicked a lot of points that year. So we, you, they, they say you kick Paul in for goals. They, the AFL they kick poorly. It's because they're running so much. They run up and down, and they're playing on the half back flank. All of a sudden, they got to sprint all the way down and have a shot for goal. So they're tired when they're having a shot. So stop asking me in the street what AFL players not kick straight anymore. Well, you try doing you know ten sh- shuttle runs and then do some sort of action in sport and see if you're as good as if you're you know got full of air. So I, that's my answer to that. But we didn't run as much. We played on the half forward flank, you know, and I'd make it up by halfway up the ground. I mean, it was everybody else's job and then I'd be back. So that year I kicked really straight, had a great year. Two years before that I'd won the best and fairer. So to, to have two good years for me was really important because I was seen as this, you know, uh, devil may care, lasso fair, sort of bob up every now and then and play well, was really, um, what are they, confidence player, I wanted to show everybody that I was a consistent performer and I had a few years there where I was able to sort of, um, you know, get the best out of myself in kicks and kick goals. Just kick 73 and I think Frey's, uh Gary beat me and there might have been Barry Hall as well just ahead of me in the goal kicking. so I'll take that.
2: Pretty do good. you think you could have kicked 100 if you were kicking around the corner like they do these days? Yeah, no, nah, I'd have kicked 100 <laughs> if needed. would have just buggered off. <laughs>
0: well, that was my next question because all jokes aside, yes twice you kicked seven goals in a game both times Neitz was not playing and the year that you did kick 73 goals Neitz wasn't there and you had to stand up so he was obviously an amazing teammate, an amazing player for Uh, Melbourne but the forward line did look very different with you and him there together I know this don't worry
1: (laughs) he said to me we were drunk one night he said "Oh, he put his arms around me he said you would have been such a much better player if I wasn't around mate gave me the old hair rub (laughs) so that makes me feel really good mate Um, I don't mind Because Neil said to me many times, he goes, even if Nita wasn't there, we'd still be trying to find someone big to play at a full forward. You're just not quite tall enough. And that's the way it is. He goes, I did three knees and couldn't play 100, missed 200 games. So, you know, that's life. And you go, well, okay, can't argue with that. I'll just bob up every now and then. So it was a great honour to play next to Nita. I think he's the greatest player Melbourne's produced um, and hardly any arguments there.
2: Tough. So, he was tough too. Yeah. You know, it, yep. like forwards, yeah, lead and catch the footy. But he loved wiping blokes pl- yeah. out. I you played still juniors remember. with him through the no, no. But I can still aura. remember him. He, he loved that physical contact, and mm. he was always happy to to lay a big bump. And yeah. yeah, you know what he did to McCabe that day was live. Yeah, Lukey. Poor Lukey. Whacked his An shoulder implement. out of. Yeah, it was. It was a perfect hip and shoulder. We um, use
1: that footage all the time and Melbourne functions, still because you can't do that anymore. That'd no, be you know because no. he's injured three weeks. You know, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, Nita, Nita was a superstar. He used to vomit a lot going out to position at the start of the game because he'd give us the big rev up and he'd work himself up so much. He'd always just vomit Gatorade and water on everyone's boots. <laughs>
2: well, there, there was a few players like that. The, yeah. the anxiety of it all, and you yep. you get ready to run out and then someone would be thrown up in the corner and you're like what the <laughs> sick? what's going I on there but it happened every week but you know how he
1: talks he spits as he talks oh, just jitty. standing here oh, like this <laughs> Doing a spray before a game, I learned very early to stand right at the back and just, you know, let let everybody else cop the spit.
0: (laughs) Now, the Melbourne teams you played in, they were very good every second year, and most people are probably going to say the closest you came to a flag was in 2000 when you made the grand final. Yeah. I would put to you, the closest the Ds came to winning a premiership was in 1998. You look back through that final series, week one, you defeat the reigning premiers Adelaide by 48 points. Week two, you beat St Kilda by 51 points. Jeez. You go into a prelim final against North Melbourne. What can you remember about that run and the momentum as it started to build? I think we,
1: we uh, were chock full of confidence. We had a good mix of old and young. Uh, Stephen, Phoebe and, you know, you've still got Todd Vine in these guys. Stephen Tingo, is still around the club. So you're bringing all that expertise and knowledge. And then you've got these young kids who are just running like crazy. So really good mix. So there's a, a good sort of a recipe for success. But I think we all had one eye on Wayne Carey. Um, he's coming, you know. And I think it was a night game that we lost. I can't remember, actually. Yep. And they just dominated night games. And he had another great game. And we just couldn't stop him. Um, but more than that, I think mentally, we, we, we sort of worked ourselves up too much for that. Two years later, we wanted redemption and we beat North to get into a grand final. But they were still at the end of they are coming towards the end of that really great run that they had where they made they won nearly every pre, prelim that they were in and Dennis Pagan and and they were just a super super team we were so good that year but mentally we just didn't quite have it
0: and then that grand final in 2000 it was another season where the momentum just built and built and built unlucky Brad Green amazing against Carlton yeah. and your team gets into the grand final unfortunately though you came up to came up against arguably the best team of the last 40 years. Yeah,
1: yeah. And look, even Essendon would agree that they didn't get the best out of that team. They only win one premiership yep. out of this team that was just world beaters. You, you
2: go through that team, it's it's pretty well, impressive it from line to line. You're like, wow, okay, that, that is an unbelievable team.
1: That's right. But then they ran into a combined Brisbane Fitzroy unit that were just so chock full of talent and then they went on to win heaps and it just, it was hard. Premierships are hard to win. They are so hard. I you're Hawthorne, <laughs> you know you'll win one every three years, but you know, they are really hard. This makes it so impressive that Hawthorne have won so many premierships under, you know, no real special, you know, assistance or whatever. It's just a team coming together. That team through the 80s was ridiculous and then Alistair Clarkson finds these superstars in Buddy and Lewis and you know, Mitchell and Hodge and wow what a team and Crawford and Crowe, and what a what a what a unit so you just got to be really lucky that it all comes together at the right time I mean you're a better person to talk to about that we were just always just short you know our forward line was great We had a really decent midfield with Viney and Johnson coming through and Jeff White and Leon Shelley and guys that you played next to. You'd go, wow, good team. But then our our defence was just a little bit off. And we didn't quite have that right across the ground. Um, best, and maybe that was because we didn't have enough of this. Yeah, didn't I, have enough I'm, I'm rubbing, money. And I'm rubbing my fingers together. So that But when
0: money. you're paying 90% of the salary cap, mm. there's 10% you're missing.
2: Yeah, yeah. And Nita's getting most of it. <laughs> <laughs> and and he's, he's trying to kick all the goals too. So come on, Nita, Nita. Nita. share it around it's- a bit, you know. <laughs> These days, they wouldn't – anyone kicking over 50, it's just unheard of because we yeah. just don't want that to happen. We've yeah. got to share the love. Everyone's got to kick goals. That's right. That's right. It's not about you neither.
0: Ross, we've loved this chat. We're going to finish with a few questions and then we're going to hear about your music because yep. a lot of people are very interested Hang in Hang on, that. before
2: we do, I just want to ask one question about his contract. So so back in the day, they used to have contracts where – I know, Jason, that's, it was um, – you know, players would get paid certain amount of goals. Was that ever something – in your contract? No. 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 Paid per goal. God. It no, no, not per goal, but little bonuses oh, or yeah, whatever. Oh, yeah, which causes, yeah. Yeah, yeah. For sure.
1: Yeah. If you finish whatever position in the best and fairest or...
2: I didn't have any goal-based. Yeah. Maybe needed. Yeah, no, it. I think that's that's smart for Melbourne not to do that because <laughs> yeah. it creates selfishness, yeah, you know. Yeah, but there's a lot of... There was a lot of contracts back then, per goal, you know, and, and if yep. you can get to certain. Oh, there's some stories. So no wonder some selfishness we, creeps in, especially back then. We could get a lot of people into trouble if we're really opened up about that sort of stuff. Oh, Swater would have had that in his contract 100%. There's nothing shorter than oh, that. Oh, the stories. Not sorry, Quinny. <laughs> what have you got in your contracts, Uh Quinny, here. Just make sure Crawfrock's up to the
0: podcast every week and ride his coattails, and it keeps me in a job. That's what I've got to do, Russ. Just associate getting, with the best. That's why you're getting 10 well, calls? Do you on know the day. what?
2: Maybe I won't turn up.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Biggest highlight of your career?
1: I think um, everyone should say their first game is a pretty big moment because there's a lot of build up to it, um, and a lot of people that. Um, uh, have had some say, some influence, and it was a great moment for me to sort of sit back and go, "Well, thank you so much. You know, you've given me this great opportunity. You know, like my life was pretty, pretty basic up to that point. I had a great mum and dad and stable family. Um, you know, and and they were instrumental. I know your mum was phenomenal for you. You know, so playing that first game for her would have been just the the greatest moment of her life." I took a lot from that, I think. that's that. I, I'm going to say that. You know, I didn't have the premierships. Of course, that would be number one if we'd got one. But to know what my mum and dad must have felt, having a son now who's 10 and when I watch him play basketball and just sit back and go, wow, this is the best feeling ever. To know that I gave that to my mum and dad is the best thing.
2: Do you reckon the, uh, that guy from Penguin who used to sit <laughs> yeah. on the toilet on a Sunday morning and he goes... <laughs> That's the bloke who used to drop me my paper on his Sunday morning. That's Russell Robins. I, I so
1: want to meet that guy.
0: Or oh, your dad's mate. I wonder what he's thinking as well. After he oh, was he, surprised you got the Penguin Under Thirteen team.
2: He did apologise actually. Yeah, when you keep that seventy third for the year. Yeah,
0: gee, I think I got that wrong. Yeah, up until seventy, was like I could still be right. This kid's no good. But when you got to seventy three, you had to concede defeat. Uh, yeah.
1: Biggest footy regret. I think my biggest regret is. I look at what a lot of guys do now, and hear stories about guys when I played. How professional they were! Now I kind of probably kidded myself that I um, needed it to be pretty loose and pretty fun. Um, I think I could have got just another, got to another level had I had that um, professional. You know, without being crazy with it, you hear stories about some guys that, like Juddy was just phenomenal with what he did and his preparation levels. And uh, I was pretty good. I think I still could have gone to another level. So I don't have a lot of regrets, um, but I certainly do wish I did a couple of things better.
0: Best mark you ever took? Was it the pre season one?
1: Jeez. Yeah, yeah, the West Coast Coast game. Yeah, that was. That was one where Junior Madonna's got the ball in the middle of the ground. He's booted up It's just up-country punt, <laughs> get get in the forward line. And I've run forward. And it was all instinctual. I could see Brad Miller and another guy who was playing over in front of me. I think it was Green. I can't remember his uh, first name. And, and that was a pretty good uh, launching pad right there. I'm going to use these guys because it wasn't – I didn't think too much about, I'm going to s- use that, I'm going to sit there. Or, it just is one of those things that flows, you know. It, it just comes and you – I've jumped – And I've got the launch pad, I'm I'm looking at the spot and I get my knees into it and then I look up and the ball's still a long way off. And I'm like, oh no, i got this a bit wrong. This is going to be a free kick. Dan is just going to lose it with me. But then I just got that nice kick and I went straight up and I was still there for ages and, and oh, jeez, I can take this in my chest now. I don't even have to take it in the hands. A lot of the times I was able to do that and I've got a nice little sit here I don't have to use there. I could, and I thought about it while I was up there, you know, and then I came down, landed on my head, which made it 10 times better, you know, so... <laughs>
0: Uh, Yeah, that was the best one. We'll have to YouTube that one and put it out because it is spectacular. The fact that you didn't get injured is just as impressive as the mark. Uh,
1: Well, that's the practice, Dad and I on the trampoline, landing on the grass. You know, there's a skill to it.
0: (laughs) And final footy related question best sled you ever heard on the field? (laughs) Uh, Keeping it clean. You know,
1: I think the best one was similar to what Hoppy did with Crawf. You know, you're running too much. I had to hit you in the nuts. You know, with uh, I was playing on Brian Lake or Harris or whatever he was at the time, but I think it was <laughs> Lake by then. He, rotund fellow, you know, he's he's not, not the uh, fittest looking unit going around. I've taken a couple of marks, feeling pretty good about myself. He's not feeling good about that. So he's, I've picked up the ball, at the bottom of the pack, and they've all converged and fallen. I mean, he's put all his weight onto me <laughs> and given me a few extra little thingos into the throat and the and the chin. And I've looked up at him from under this pack and called him a fat so and so, get off me, you fat so and so. And he looked at me, and he goes, and he looks down at his belly, looks at himself, and he goes, plump.
2: <laughs> oh, I thought that was brilliant.
1: brilliant. Did you laugh at the time? Yeah. I said, well play. You know, you got to well, because it's you know we're all trying to be aggressive, but you don't have to. Uh. Then there's another one really quickly because I I played for the Shep Swans, yeah, 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 and the, no, sorry, this was when I went down and coached St. Joeys in Geelong after my footy career, um, and I, Jimmy Steins is obviously going through what he's going through, brain cancer. He's got cancers in his brain at this point, and they've just removed two massive lumps out of his brain, right? And Olivia Newton John is doing a cross promotional thing with the Live Strong and the, the the hospital that she's done for the Breast Cancer Network. And that she wanted to do something with Jimmy. She wanted to sing Grease Lightning with Jimmy Steins on the meatloaf stage at the MCG, you know. And Jimmy's gone in the night before to have surgery, so they needed to fill in. So they've called me. And I'm very happy to fill in as Johnny Travolta for for Jimmy and sing with Olivia Newton-John. It was amazing. We caught up before the, sh- the game. It was a Carlton game because she barracks for Carlton. And we practice. I'm sitting there with Olivia Newton-John, you know, practicing Grease Lightning. I'm Johnny Travolta. And it was awesome, you know, just amazing. One of those pinch myself moments. And then we get up on the stage for the game. We're singing it. The band's there. She's beautiful, you know. It's awesome. Um... Jimmy comes up on stage and uh, he'd just got out of, checked himself out of um, the the hospital. And he got up and sang with us as well and was just rah, rah, rah. You know, <laughs> he couldn't, he didn't he know what he was saying and he, he could still smell the surgery on him. That's how crook he was at the time. Um, and the next day I had to play footy down at Colac. Yes. Yeah, and it's not easy to play in Coalack. You (laughs) cop it from all and sundry, the supporters, and they're backing their cars up and sitting uh, sitting on um, couches in the back of their uh, pickup
2: trucks, (laughs)
1: that sort of stuff. Anyway... I'm lining up from my first shot of goal and all of a sudden I reckon this car had a subwoofer out of the back of it as well and it's I got chills. <laughs> <laughs> and they're all singing it really loud as I'm having a shot and I missed by so much so I looked at him I said, Well played boys got me <laughs> Great <laughs> Sledge
2: <laughs> Better than swearing and carrying on, innit? There you go. Well what an achievement to sing with Olivia Newton John. <sighs> oh. hey that song. Awesome. Not many people can do that. I've had some of the great shows of all time, Grease. Yeah. You remind me of one of the characters of <laughs> Grease Quinny. <laughs> I won't ask which one.
0: But you've been big in the music. You're very good at plenty of songs on Spotify. And often over the last two decades, you've been yeah. performing around venues in Melbourne as well. Really lucky that um,
1: I was taught at an early age music. Dad said to me one day, you know, you can, when you finish footy and playing sport, you can still entertain people by learning, uh, playing music. So you're going to learn piano. So I did that for a few years and I learned to read music and play piano. And then when I got to Melbourne, it was easy to carry guitar around and I really liked the guitar. So I learned guitar and I've been playing ever since. And now I play gigs, weddings, parties, the whole lot. It's the best fun. It really is. I play with Phil Sobrano, Kate's. Kate's brother and um, amongst others. And, you know, I've been able to do the most amazing things with that because I just – I love music. It's, it's it's just awesome, you know, and I'm um, just really blessed. So I've, I've done a few things there and I still do that. So, yeah, a bit of a shameless plug. You know, this whole COVID thing has made it really hard in that industry for a lot of people. Um, they got no money coming in at all. And I'm talking even about the big dogs, you know, all the way down. They relied on music as their main source of income. They're just yeah. really struggling. So – you know, shout out to all those people to just stick with it. Hopefully, they can come out the other side. You know, it's a difficult time at the moment. I've joined in with a bloke and mate of mine who's a builder. You know, I'm just labouring for him at the moment, and I've no problem with doing it. It's it's good hand out in the workshop yeah, with all these yep. guys. It's so much fun. You know, and I'm doing the hardest work, digging holes and concrete and, and demoing and and yeah, I come home. There goes my back. Yeah, exactly. And That's I'm exactly like, what I say when I get home. It's stinking to hire and, and hell of uh, work. But it feels good to do something. So I if I have any message for anyone out there at the moment, it is that, adapt or die. you just got to try to change, find a way forward. That's what the great people do. They're able to... I mean, it's happened since human history first began. The best one, the ones that are most successful, the ones that are able to to adapt and get on with it. It's tough out there at the moment, but you've got to find a way forward. And I've got kids. You know, I spoke... Really briefly about how tough life had been since football for me. Not tough in terms of really serious stuff, but divorce. You know, I got, um, I, I had a bloke who stole basically all my superannuation money took it and ran, you know, bad choice by me. No money in the bank after divorce anyway, and no superannuation. Myself and Jeff White and another couple of Melbourne supporters, they got their money back and it wasn't until two, three weeks ago I finally got the great news that I got it all back. Oh,
0: fantastic.
1: So I've been living, you know, and my ex-wife, who's a, a superstar, I love love her, she's a great girl. Um, she decided she wanted to go a certain way in life and it didn't involve me anymore. So I we had a son and I was thinking I was going to have a big family, you know, and, and live that life. And, and that was, no, that's not happening for you anymore. So, you know, I had to work through all of that. The fact that I had nothing, nothing to give, nothing to offer. And a, tenu- a little boy, you know, living alone for a lot, lot of years. I sort of hooked in with a couple of um, people that didn't really bring out the best in me. And my dad came over to basically on a Mercy Dash mission, sat me down. He said, Russ, basically shaking me, saying, just stop this. Stop this. You're depressed. You're not the same, Russ. Fun, Russ. We know. What are you doing? Just stop this. There is going to be someone out there for you. If you just, there's a beautiful person that will do everything for you. I know if you just stop this thing that you're doing. And I looked down. I said, you're right. You're right. I needed that. So I did stop what I was doing without going too much into it. And I reckon it was probably about three weeks later. I met the most amazing woman who I'm still with today, Priscilla. Um, she's phenomenal. I didn't. She just has given me hope again for life, and the human race, really, because <laughs> I had some really shit, shit things happen to me. And I told you the story about the salon. Now we've got down in Black Rock, giving it a shameless plug, Priscilla's. Yeah. Um, my great uncle told me to go and check out Black Rock when you get to Melbourne. I had a salon there once because he was a hairdresser. Uh, And now we've got a bloody salon in in Black Rock. So if you're ever in Black Rock, go and see Priscilla. She is the most phenomenal person you've ever met. She's the most lovely, innocent, happy person. I've got 2 stepsons and my own son now. My life is brilliant. And I'm here with one of the greatest players that ever played the game. <laughs> uh, and last that's very grade.
2: complimentary of Nick Quinn. <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, that's fantastic. What yeah. well, positive spin yep. right now, you know? Yeah, well, oh, that's good. And, and uh, that, that's you know that's awesome. And not, you know, everyone has their challenges, mm. but it's it's great to see. You know, you're like, hey, Priscilla's the real sunshine in your life, yep. which is awesome to see. But um, you talk about the music. You go to a concert, or you go and watch a band. They say that's the happiest place in the world because everyone is just – all. you go to a sporting match, half the crowd leaves a bit disappointed because they lose, you know, whereas you go to a concert, you go to the local band, everyone has a wonderful time. They're up dancing. Everyone leaves. You know, the endorphins are all up and about. So music is so important in everyone's life, and you're very lucky that you're so gifted that you can – you know, play the bloody piano, you know, something I'm jealous of because I, I can't even play chopsticks, <laughs> chopsticks. <laughs> um, you know, play the guitar, you know, a man of many talents, Quinny. So uh, very, very lucky that you got such gift, uh, such a gift that you can actually throw all that sunshine back at people and mm. know that, hey, do you know what? They're coming to watch us play mm. and they're leaving and they're going to leave in a, such a better mindset. That's a pretty powerful position to yeah. be in.
1: Well, thank you. And i Doing a few lessons as well and teaching kids uh,
2: trombone. No,
1: I haven't ever tried the trombone. Actually, uh, what I do want to learn, I want to learn the saxophone. But I know I'm going to annoy a lot of people
2: in the neighbourhood with that one. So I've
1: that's got to pretty f- cool. Got well, to
0: w- no, he lives next to me. It's not so cool. Uh, that's true. Oh, <laughs> I, I learned the trombone. Did
2: you? at Finley High School because I wanted to. Learn, I wanted to learn the drums, yeah. and they said oh... I think someone had the drums and they said, no, you you learn the trombone. And I'm like, trombone? It's a fair drop off. I'm like, (laughs) so I had to walk home, a kilometre home, with this trombone every day. And I was useless. I couldn't play a tune. And then the, the band got up to play uh, in, at assembly and they put me right at front. And yeah. I said to the teacher, oh, I don't know the song. I don't know what I'm doing Just pretend. So I pretended to play <laughs> at the front, <laughs> blowing on my trombone. Got to the end, everyone <laughs> clapped and whatever, and then I said, "Right, I'm out. I'm oh, done. not doing that again." I'm, saying, I'm done. I've got no <laughs> idea what I'm doing. I faked it. I faked the trombone. Um, it was a bit like American Pie when it comes out yeah, playing the that, trombone.
1: Right. I was worse. I was worse. There's only one thing you need to learn on the trombone. <laughs> the one thing that makes you a superstar is that bit that goes wop wop wop
0: wop. <laughs> that's yeah, all no, you need
2: well, to learn. Well, that was my music you career. Use that uh, ow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: Now, when COVID buggers off and life yep. gets back to normal. Normal. Yep. If people want to get in touch with you to make a booking or to come and get a haircut, tell us all about well, the Russell Robinson booking Ventures.
2: booking in at Priscilla's right now. I yeah. desperately need, so need a cut and colour as oh, well. well. You've got to go
1: too because we've got um, some great girls at work there and one of the, our barber, her name's Dee, she's from Hungary. She's a beautiful girl. Uh, she does the full cutthroat thing, so she puts the nice hot oh, towel gee. on, and uh, all the boys on the job site, I've converted them. They're all going for, for, for shaves these days and getting their hair touched up by D. She's she's a legend, um, and Priscilla in there as well. We get down in there for booking for music thing. I mean, I just it's word of mouth stuff and Facebook Messenger. You know, that's amazing how much you get. I don't do websites or anything like that, but um, if you want, if you want me, you can find me. Um, not that expensive either.
0: And Spotify, I <laughs> had a little look last night. There's plenty oh, up there as God. well.
1: Well, you know, I did the album after It Takes Two. Well, I was on that show with Kate Sobrano. I mean, all these wonderful things that I've done. After this show was finished, and this is the first time I've ever really sung, because my, my sisters are singers. My dad played piano, I'd play guitar, and when we go home, and then it wasn't until you know halfway through the footy career that they started to get me to do things on the footy show and whatever, and had to sing. Um, after It Takes Two... They said, do you want to do this album? We'll pay you a bucket load of cash if you just put your voice and sing Summer of 69 and Jesse's Girl. And I'm like, yeah, of course. <laughs> so I've got an album out there somewhere that people laugh at. That was the first time I've ever sung. So there's a lot to learn with it. But, yeah, you're right about music, though, both of you. You know, if you can get to a party... Everyone's happy. They're drinking. They just—it's it, a timeline of their life. If you're playing "April Sun" in Cuba by Dragon, it takes people back to that era. You'll have 13-year-olds that ask you to play something like "Cool World" by uh, you know Ross Wilson, and, and it's just wow, this is awesome. So, it's a really wonderful thing to be able to do, and I hope. You know, we can get back to it soon.
0: Russ, when you got here, you said, how long will we talk for? I said 40 minutes. We've gone three <laughs> times that because we've loved talking to you so much. Oh, and you've had so many great stories. Thank
1: you. Glenn Archer got nothing on me.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I'm not telling him that. Don't tell him. <laughs> You're a superstar <laughs> on and off the field. Thanks so much for having a chat today.
1: Appreciate it. Good to see faces and uh, recount all times. Thanks, guys. Good on
0: you, mate. And I'm going to punch Croft in the nuts on the back <laughs> of this pun as you've been listening to Inside 50. <laughs> G'day, punters, for the chance to win a ticket for you and 10 mates into the TAB Superbox. The magic code word this week is Premiership. Full terms and conditions in the show notes.
3: There's a chill in the air, but the footy's heating up. And so is TAB's same-game multi, where you can combine your favourite AFL markets, like head-to-head, anytime goal scorer and total disposals, all in the one bet to get bigger odds. It's available all season long on the TAB app and website. Build your AFL same-game multi with TAB today. TAB, long may we play.
0: Available online for TAB account customers only. Gamble responsibly. Call Gambler's Help, 1-800-858-858.